Good morning, Stockholm Community Church. It is so great to be with you this morning. We are in the middle of our hope challenge. And I'll tell you, it is so great to see all of your social media posts from how can I be praying for you, for listing your favorite charity or organization that people can give to and volunteer, to your online dinner parties, and to inviting people to come and be part of the service here today. We only have three more days left of our challenge, and so let's finish strong. I'm excited to hear your testimonies that will come on um, the 10th, and so the 10th day. So keep this hope challenge going. Uh, I can't wait to see how we have changed the world around us. Well, this year we have been doing a series called Lead With. And uh, Lead With, I believe that we lead our lives. What happens in our lives doesn't just happen by chance, but it happens on purpose and by being intentional. We did a series, Lead With Love, Lead With Generosity, Lead With the Fruits of the Spirit. And I am so excited to be kicking off a brand new Lead With series today. And that is Lead With Philippians. Yep, we're gonna take the entire book of Philippians and we are gonna go through it verse by verse and see how the Word of God can speak to us today. It was a letter that was written to the church in Philippi. And I wanna give you a little bit of a background on the city of Philippi. Philippi was often seen as the city that was kind of the gateway between Asia and Europe. It was a city where the Romans had taken it over, but it still had a lot of its Greek influence with Greek myth mythology. It also was a city with a lot of trade, culture, um, values that were instilled in that area. There weren't any Christians at the time, as uh, we read in Acts chapter 16. And in Acts chapter 16, what we read there is that Paul, Paul who had been saved, he used to be a Jew, but he had an encounter with Jesus, which completely transformed his life. Now, Paul was on his way somewhere else. He was not on his way to Philippi, but God kept closing the doors to Paul that he found himself coming to Philippi. So as Paul came on this detour to the city where he wasn't even planning on going, he went down to the river. And at that river, there was Lydia. Lydia and a bunch of women um, were praying. Lydia, um, she attended the synagogue. Um, she was a follower, a Jewish woman. Um, she did not believe in following all the different gods through Greek mythology, but she had said, you know, I know that there is one God. She was waiting for the Savior to arrive. She was waiting for the one who would atone for all of our sins. And so as she's at the river and she's praying with her friends, here comes Paul. And Paul enters her life. And as he begins to speak with her, we read in Acts chapter 16, verse 14, all of a sudden Lydia's eyes and heart are open up so that she can hear the message. So right then and there, as Paul shares the gospel with her, Lydia gives her heart to Jesus, and then her whole household give their lives to Jesus, and they are baptized. So here, Paul wasn't even supposed to go to Philippi, but he detours there. He meets Lydia, the first Christian. Well, Paul and his friend Silas are, are traveling around in the city and, and a couple of different things happen. If you want to read more in detail about it, you can read in Acts chapter 16. But what happens is it's all of a sudden Paul and Silas, they get arrested. They get thrown into jail and there they are singing and praying 
to a captive audience, right? They are in the midst of their hard circumstances. They still are leaning on their faith, standing on what they know to be true. Well, as they are worshiping and as they are praying, an earthquake happens. And what happens was they are, in a sense, set free. The door is broken down of the jail and they have a moment where they could escape. I mean, they had been beaten, they had been thrown into jail, and really, what had they done? They had set someone free from demons. That's what caused them to be thrown into jail. But see, Paul, he didn't just talk about his faith, he lived his faith. So he didn't leave that jail cell. The following morning, the prison guard comes and he sees that the door has been broken down and he assumes that all of the prisoners have run away. And he's about to actually kill himself, to take his own life, to fall on his sword, because he knows that the Roman Empire will not accept that any of the prisoners have escaped. But Paul calls out to the prison guard and says, no, we are all still here. And in that moment, the prison guard goes, what? And he, through the conversation with Paul, finds Jesus, gives his life to Jesus. And that is the beginning of the church in Philippi. So you have Lydia, a business owner, someone who um, has is educated and who has her own household. You have a prison guard who encounters Jesus. And this is the beginning of the church, the very first church actually in all of Europe. And so several years later, Paul is now writing to this established church in Philippi. And we read about it in a letter called the Philippians. And as Paul is writing this letter, we see something very interesting in this letter. And all of the other letters that Paul is writing to other churches, like the church in Ephesus or the church in Corinth, he's usually correcting them. He's rebuking them, telling them to stop doing what they're doing and get back to their faith. But to the church in Philippi, in Philippians, he's actually encouraging the church. It's a letter filled of joy. It's a letter filled with him complimenting the church to say, you're doing it right. Keep going. Abound even more and more in your love. And so as we are going to go through lead with Philippians, we're going to look at it from the standpoint of what does a mature church look like? And what does a mature Christian look like? Are you guys ready? Open up to Philippians chapter 1, and we're going to start with verse 1. And so here we have Paul writing the letter, and the letter's coming from Paul and from Timothy. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons. Verse two, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul starts this letter off saying, I am a servant of Jesus. Now there's significance even in these first few words in the letter that he writes, that he says, I am a servant of Jesus. During that time, during the Roman Empire era, if you were a servant, You didn't have your own rights. You didn't get to choose what you did and what you didn't do. It was all up to the master that you were serving. You didn't have a lot of rights. And so by Paul starting the letter with saying, 
I am a servant of Jesus. What he is saying is, I follow Jesus. I obey Jesus. I do what Jesus tells me to do. I submit my rights, my way, so that God's way will be done. And that is an encouragement to the church too, to say, we are servants. It's all about what God wants and that we get to align our lives with him. And then we see there in verse two, it says, grace to you and peace. And he's given the encouragement to everyone there in Philippi, everyone who's part of the church. Now, as we talk about grace, grace is very different than karma. You know, we all hear the phrases, ooh, good karma. You do something good, then something good will happen to you. Well, see, grace isn't that. Grace you don't receive because you've done something good. Grace you actually get when you don't deserve it. You see, grace is Jesus in action in your life. That is what grace is. Grace empowers us to live this Christian life. Grace empowers us to share our faith boldly. Grace empowers us to repent for our sins and to receive forgiveness. Grace empowers us that in the midst of trials and troubles, we can still walk with this joy that is unshakable. Grace is Jesus in action in our lives. Hebrews 13, 9 says this, it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. 2 Corinthians 2, 9, my grace is sufficient for you. So Paul is again affirming the church, grace to you, peace to you. And as I give this to you, and as the Lord has given it to you, it is empowering you to live the life that God has for you. As we continue in verse three, Paul writes this, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy, because your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Huh, wouldn't it be great if someone wrote a letter about us of saying, man, I have so much joy when I think about what you're doing. You bring me so much joy when I hear about how you're partnering this gospel with your life. A lot of times what happens is when we accept Jesus Christ into our life, we get what's called on fire. We are excited. Uh, we have this new life. We've had a brand new encounter with Jesus. But at times, sometimes what happens is, well, it becomes our new normal and it's something that we're used to and we don't talk with the same fire or the same energy. But Paul is acknowledging and complimenting the church here in Philippi saying, you have continued to partner your faith with the gospel from like what you did from the very beginning to now. And so Paul is affirming the church saying, keep going, keep that fire going, keep sharing the gospel. Our faith, yours and mine, is meant to be lived out loud. It is meant not to be quiet or not to be hidden under a bushel, but for, to be a light that shines on the hilltop, a light that says, I have found the way, the truth, and the life. When people listen to you, do they hear Jesus? 
And sometimes it's not the words that we speak, but the life that we live. And then we come to one of my favorite verses in in the first chapter of Philippians, and it's verse 6. I've quoted it so many times in my own life, and I still quote it to this day. But it is, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. You see, there's a good work that begins in us when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. There's a good work that we receive salvation, we receive the eternal life, our name written in the Lamb's book of life. And then what happens? Then we get to start journeying with Jesus to become more and more like him. And that takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. Sometimes it takes years to allow certain parts of our life to become more like Jesus. And the good thing is that work in us, it's not through ourselves. It's not by our own power. It's not by our own strength, but it's through Jesus and him working with us. It's not that I can earn salvation. I already have salvation, but the goal is that my life would be transformed so that it reflects who Jesus is. Verse seven, we're going through these verses. We're going to get to verse 11 today. So it's just 11 verses this morning. Verse seven says this, It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. Paul has seen their faith in action. While Paul was in prison, the church reached out to him. They prayed for him. They sent money to him. And he said, I've seen us do this as we're sharing the gospel together. So as Paul was going through a difficult season, the church stepped up and said, we are with you. We are walking with you. You are not alone in sharing the gospel. What a beautiful picture. No wonder there was such a great affection between Paul and the church in Philippi. And then we come to the last three verses we're going to talk about today, and it is Paul praying for the church. We'll start with verse 9. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And the word I want to focus on there is discernment. Paul says, I want you to abound more and more in love so that you will have knowledge and all discernment. Spiritual discernment helps me make right decisions. Spiritual discernments help me to say yes to certain things and no to other things. Do I take this new new job? Do I make this move? Do I purchase this item? Do I pursue this relationship? You see, spiritual discernment helps us stay on track. Paul had spiritual discernment. As doors closed for him for where he was planning on going, God redirected his steps. And he followed where God redirected his steps 
to the city of Philippi. I need to make sure I have discernment in what I am reading and what I'm watching, what I talk about, and sometimes even who I talk to. I need discernment in how I raise my children. And I also need discernment on what I prioritize. And spiritual discernment becomes anchored in the word of God. How do I know if it's God asking me to do something, if the Holy Spirit is leading me to do something? Well, the question I always ask myself is, does it align with the word of God? See, God will never ask you to do something that does not align with his word, that does not align with his character. He won't ever ask you to do something that's out of his character. And so how do I know if it's the Holy Spirit? I look to scripture and does scripture affirm it? Which also means I need to be in the word, not just every now and then, but I need to daily fill myself with the word of God so I know his truth. So Paul is praying for the church to fill their lives with things that will honor God and actually bring praise to God. I think back to Paul sitting in that prison cell. Man, the flesh, he probably would have said, it would be easier to run, then I don't have to risk maybe getting beaten again, or I don't have to sit here in chains, I don't have to be cold. I had the opportunity a few years ago to actually go to where the city of Philippi was. I got to go to the river where Lydia was baptized and, and the potential prison where, where Paul sat. And I'll tell you, it was a really small cell. I wouldn't have wanted to sit in that cell, but there Paul stayed because he knew that him staying would honor God. And by honoring God, it led that prison guard to know Jesus. Now, Paul is also saying in these last verses to say, you want purity. And being pure means that we don't mix anything with evil. To be blameless means that we don't walk in offending God or offending other people in our life. And I think Paul was writing this because especially the church in Philippi, they were in a culture where people would pick, I'll pray to this God for uh, if I want money. I'll pray to this God if I want to have love. I'll pray to this God if I want my business to be good. And Paul is saying you need to be pure and you need to be blameless in your faith. So don't go mixing the gospel with all these other things, but stay firm on the gospel of Jesus. Life transformation happens when we align our lives to what the word of God says. And that's what we want. We want life transformation. Now, fruit of righteousness, what is that that Paul writes about? Well, hey, we did a whole series on it, lead with the fruit of the spirit. And so if you didn't get a chance to listen to those podcasts, I would encourage you to go back. But Galatians 5 verses 22 through 23 lists these fruits of righteousness. Love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We can't have too many of that, but we can for sure have too little of that in our lives. And so Paul is encouraging the church again, be full of the fruit of righteousness. The letter to the church in Philippi would not have happened unless Paul had taken that detour. I bet Lydia was grateful for that detour. I bet the prison guard 
was grateful for that detour. You and I, we will have detours in our life where our plans don't happen the way we thought they were going to happen, where we thought we were going to walk through this one door, but it gets slammed shut. And with that, a lot of times comes disappointment. There can be frustration. But I want to encourage all of us this morning that sometimes God takes us on a detour because he has a bigger thing that he wants to do than what we thought we were going to do. So instead of maybe asking God when you face a detour, why, God, why is this happening? Say, God, what miracle are you going to let me be a part of? What life are you going to let me be a part of that's going to be totally transformed and changed because I went to a different place and you spoke through me? Maybe your detour has led you to a new neighborhood or it's led you to a new place of work or led you to some new relationships. I believe that God wants to use you exactly where you're at so that he can open the eyes and the hearts of a Lydia and an eyes and a heart of a prison guard in your life so that they can know what it means to know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. I'm so glad that the Church of Philippi existed, the very first church in Europe. Now our church, Stockholm Community Church, is now one of many churches in Europe, but I am believing for more churches in Europe, for more churches in Sweden, because not everyone has heard the gospel. Not everyone has had a life-changing, life-transforming experience with Jesus. As Paul encouraged the church in Philippi, Stockholm Community Church, I want to encourage you this morning. Partner your life with the gospel. Put it together. Walk with it. Not just on Sundays, not just when you're part of a community group, but every part of your life, partner it with the gospel. Be empowered by grace. It is by grace that we are saved. It is by grace that we can live this life of abundance that God has for us. So let's be empowered by grace. Let's walk in discernment. And let's be bold to be obedient when the Lord tells us no, or when the Lord gives us a slight correction to say yes to what we're supposed to say yes to and no to what we're supposed to say no to. And finally, let's be filled with righteousness of love and kindness, and joy, and self-control, humility. So let's let those fruits of the Spirit flow in our lives. And so church, as we go on this lead with the, the Philippians, I want to really encourage us to live this life, this one life that we have been given, and to honor God with every step that we do. If you've been watching our sermon this morning for the very first time and you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to encourage you this morning to ask him into your life, to ask him to forgive you of your sins and to help you live the rest of your life for him. It is the best decision that you have made. And I think everyone can agree who is a follower of Jesus. It is the best decision that you can make. And if that is you this morning, it's a simple prayer. Jesus, come into my life. Be Lord of my life. 
And guess what? He comes in and he does that. We have a link for you to fill out. We would love to connect with you. You do not have to journey alone. There's something about when believers, when Christians come together. And so we want to stand with you in this new decision. We are so excited that you have made a decision to follow Jesus today. If you have a prayer request, if you have a need, we have a team that prays every week for the prayer requests that come in. Send us an email. Let us know how we can stand with you in prayer. And again, church, we can't wait to see you once again sometime soon face to face. But until then, we'll keep meeting here online. We'll still be connecting outside of this venue as much as we can. But remember that being part of Stockholm Community Church, we always say here as we end our services, Sundays here make Mondays better. So have a great week, everyone. And Dream Team, our volunteers, don't forget to sign up to come and be part of our Dream Team night on August 28th. I can't wait to see you. Don't forget to reserve your spot. Have a great week, everyone, and we'll see you next week.